You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gab. Spy Zoom. It's not. It's, it's not it. It's not it, and it just sounds like you're calling like someone from prison. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, while you take this call from, like, crazy. <laughs> and you gotta press yes or no, and then it just sounds mad echoey. Like it's not yeah. it. We have so many random episodes that no one will ever hear. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's just like frig. You just gotta a few. keep them there. Yeah. I have them. Yeah, it's just, just, just sitting in the vault. In the vault. Honestly, just keep them there. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> you want to put out, like, good yeah. you know, quality stuff, yeah. right? So, yeah, man. It's long a, time coming. It's a long time coming. This is long overdue, for sure. Long Call yeah. me crazy and the gift you gave. That flows well. I like, the, yeah, I like the sound of that. Sound. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. Thank welcome. you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited. How you been? I've been good. I've been busy. Yeah. Um, But... I'm grateful for how busy I've been because if I think about like where I was last year, if someone told me that I would have been moving out, applying for my master's, you know, working multiple jobs, like I'd be like, damn, like I made it, you yeah. know, like, so I'm, I'm good. Especially during quarantine too. This is a period where a lot of people are, I think maybe overstressing about things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to realize like we're not supposed to arrived this during this period like we're just supposed to maintain and survive but to see you doing things like that is, is special because i know a lot of people obviously aren't doing that so absolutely yeah. 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 uh i feel like um if anyone knows me they know i'm already a homebody <laughs> so like quarantine was like i was like yo this is baby food it's nothing yeah. to me so i almost feel like i had that advantage and then i do well in situations where I almost feel like odds are against me because I'm like, all right, bet, let's do this thing, you know? And I just saw it as an opportunity. Like, when else are we going to be able to just focus on ourselves and have no other responsibility? Like, can't go to work, you know, can't go outside, can't do this. It's like, so all I have to worry about is myself. That's not a bad thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I like if you start pouring inwards, you're going to see that come out. So I just took that approach. And, yeah, this year has been low-key a blessing mm. for me. Like, from a mental health standpoint, because for those of you who don't know, Basma, one thing about, like, what you do is, like, everything is... I feel like everything for you is vertically integrated. It's so clear-cut. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the Call Me Crazy podcast. Mm-hmm. You're going into your master's mm-hmm. in uh, psychology. And, and everything kind of just, like, aligns. Mm-hmm. Your work, everything. So what I was going to ask is, from a mental health standpoint, how do you feel about you know how quarantine and this co- this covid epidemic kind of played out oh that's such a good question um so i think quarantine definitely is gonna impact everyone's mental health um because it's a stressor you know whether you lost a job whether you know you're now isolated whether you got sick you know or any type of stressor you know the change in the norm and i've personally known um friends or even people within my family that it triggered mental health like dormant disorders um so I think that in itself but then now people have to face themselves and that's not a common thing in our in our generation I feel like we're constantly on the go distracted so like now you're facing things that you've kind of been avoiding so a lot of 
people are kind of falling into this like deep space or like questioning a lot um and we're not really promoting like physical hygiene but we're not promoting like mental hygiene i think that's just as important um especially in terms of like going through such a big change like we're all going through that change but at the same time we're not really being told how to cope with it um and i definitely have noticed it even for me like it's a learning curve you know we have to change adapt and anything that's uncomfortable will give you growth but it's how you deal with it um that really will help you um but yeah, I definitely think it's impacted people's mental health big time. Negative in a negative way, right? In a negative way, I would say the only positive, and it's very little. I think it's definitely brought how um, important mental health is. You know, I feel like I've heard a lot more conversations because it is impacting more people, and there will be more of a demand for it um, because of it. Well, I can agree with that. I think a lot of it is just kind of on the surface, still, um, and even speaking like from an athletic standpoint, like being in university and college, I seen a stat the other day where it's like um, one in three people believe that they know someone that suffers from depression, but only 20% of all those people were comfortable reaching out to mm. like coaches or mentors, family or, you know, that type of thing. So like stats like that is kind of, uh, it raises some eyebrows, bro. Cause as much as we talk about it, we have things like Bell, let's talk and, you know, mm. mental health awareness day and whatnot. So as much as we talk about it, it's still, um, I'd say, like, disheartening to see that people still are uncomfortable with these things. So, like, do you think there'll ever be a point where we can get to that? Or is it, like, Damn. you know, um, tough? That is, a, that's a good question. Honestly, I think it, there's definitely, like, this glamorization of, like, yeah, like, we have these campaigns, you know, Bell, let's talk. Like, I love the initiative, but it's, like, what are you really doing? Like, the access to resources, you know, especially, like, being in the BIPOC community, like, being in that space and I've worked in, you know, the mental health field, I've seen how hard and how systematic it is, you know, to even get access to mental health. It's a privilege, like, you know, so that is an issue. When you look at the school system, like you have gym class for physical health, you even have like sex ed to teach you about sexual health, but there's nothing about mental health at all. You know what I mean? And whether it be like, um, dealing with stress with school, you know, that's usually people's, like, first, like, initial, like, stressor or family stresses or anything like that, um, you know, and I think it could be so easily incorporated, kind of like what you said, Alex, in terms of, like, preventative measures, because the last thing you want is to, like, down the road be depressed and be like, damn, like, I wish I could have caught this sooner, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not really talked about. It's always, like, how can we fix it mm-hmm. versus how can we prevent this? Yeah, I mean, um, I was, uh, I think on my first year of Centennial, like one yeah. of the one of the classes we took was a stress management class. I'm like, oh shit, it's a nice understanding of how stress affects the body and mm-hmm. how there's good stress and bad stress. And you know, after I took that class, mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't let a lot of shit get to me. I, I was able to kind of identify mm-hmm. what's a good stress, what's a bad stress. You know, like stress from an exam coming up. Yeah, that's good stress. That's something that's challenging you, you know, and and you might get, uh, you know, that anxious feeling about it, but I don't think it's a a detrimental, anxious feeling. I think some things are supposed to stress us. Some things are supposed mm-hmm. to. That's that making us uncomfortable thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, also, you know, right now, I think people, uh, like you were saying, glamorize or glorify or like. Mm-hmm. 
just like the language you know like mm. oh, oh i'm just kidding this this gives me anxiety or like oh i'm depressed so about depressed this right yeah now. you oh know God. like didn't get my starbucks today <laughs> yeah, yeah you know i'd be feeling like that sometimes but like yeah, i know you do you know i think it's a weird right now with like and we always bring it back to social media it's like it's it's really like warped the world that we see it in terms of the language we use in terms of how we describe things in terms of how we respond to other people's traumas and stuff like that and mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, it's weird language weird. language is powerful man and i think like you're just saying how you respond to people's traumas and problems i think that's so big with it because not everyone knows how to do it and i think i'm one of them too like I, I had some friends the other the other day where it's like they were talking to me about their, their issues and whatnot. And for me, it's like, okay, they're throwing this all at me. Like, okay, what do I say? Do I try to do I try to just give them solutions right, right away? Do I try to hear them out? Do I say, you know, don't worry about it? You got like, there's different ways to respond to different people. And that's such a tricky road to navigate. So like, what kind of tips would you give to people that are... Uh, See, I'm still learning that. that. I think that's a big one. And it's something that I didn't realize that almost needs to be not learned but practice because it's like a muscle like we're not taught to deal with helping people i remember my biggest thing was when i was going through my depression a lot of people or people i was close to didn't know how to handle my depression so they fell back and i felt very alone and then years down the line they're like you're just so sad like i didn't know what to do i felt helpless um and i feel like that's such a common thing um and then I've also had friends where, you know, they were diagnosed with um, disorders and they didn't want help, but it was, I could see it self-destructing them. So mm-hmm. it's like knowing um, how to approach that situation too. So I would say first and foremost, you can't help someone who doesn't want help. Like, I think that's the most important thing. You can't want someone to be better, do better more than they do. As much as you care about them, um, I think it, it really has to come from them um, and knowing um, boundaries just as much as you want their mental health to be good you need to make sure yours is always stable and it's not affecting you and that's been a big thing because I'm like oh my god like let me save you let me take care of you but it's like to my detriment is not helping anybody um I also think um educating yourself you know if you know someone is going through something um I was on another podcast and my friend said how her friend had gone through um sexual abuse and she didn't she couldn't relate to her so she educated herself you know my friend was going through bipolar uh, bipolar um manic disorder and I obviously knew what I knew from school but I didn't know how to be a support system you know I knew how to treat it or you know diagnose it but I didn't know how to be a support system or to deal with someone who was going through mania you know so educating yourself um you know that already plays a big part in that and I think just holding space and letting people know like yo I don't have to fix it for you because that's not my role um but I'm here you know you're not alone I think that's what most people want they just want to know that they can go through something and they have people around them to support them I don't think they want you to do the work for them so yeah that's what I would say um but it is a work in progress yeah I like that I like that you can't help people that don't want to be helped nah. um, I was talking about it on a previous episode with one of my friends, and it's like there's this common uh, occurrence where people will go through something and then act like the world's against them. But, like, mm. when someone asks them, like, what are they saying or what they're doing, like, they'll just say, yeah, I'm good. Everything's cool. Mm. And that's I think that's another common thing, too, where you're saying that people kind of, they don't want the help right away. Yeah. But they want to know that at least someone's there asking about them or someone's in their corner. So it's, uh, yeah. it's yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. 
That's um that's something that you mentioned is um you can't heal from victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's the big that was the game changer for me. It's like I remember my therapist asked me once, he's like, So what made you like not give up when you were at your lowest? And I was like, like it was just never an option. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't thinking like, yo, this is happening to me, like that's it. What was me? Like I was just thinking like, yo, this is happening to me, but fuck that like I can't let this just be it like all I kept thinking is like this isn't this isn't it like I can't let it be it and I just constantly had like that fighter spirit and I don't know why it was there maybe it's just innately in me but um when people get stuck in that victim mentality it's super hard to help them because they themselves almost are it's it's addicting like they get addicted to that feeling of you know woe is me you know this is happening to me um, and you can't really help someone who's in that state. Um, they kind of have to come out of it themselves. I kind of like how, and it's funny because as we were talking, mm-hmm. the thing was like, I feel like victim mentality is a, a big part that's not really discussed mm-hmm. with when it comes to like mental health because it's like, you know, you're talking to somebody and you don't want to dismiss their dismiss their pain or dismiss their struggle or whatever but victim mentality is a, a very very real thing 100 you know it, it's it's something that i don't think we give enough attention to like yeah because the reality is at the end of the day no matter what you're going through no matter what it is that you're facing nobody's gonna pull you out of that except for yourself yeah like there's that's just the bottom line yeah you know so it's like it is a very thin line between, like, you know, that victim yeah. mindset and, you know, just... Accountability? Yeah, accountability. Accountability is huge. I think um, when I say it was addicting, it's because sometimes, like, mind you, like, I've definitely been in a space where I was like, damn, like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Like, <coughs> life sucks, da 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 Like, that is, that's a common, you know, place to be. But I think victim mentality, when I define it, is like you know that this is happening to you and you know there's options to get better, but you, in a weird way, are addicted to this narrative that you've played in your mind and you're comfortable with it. You know, you've become comfortable with this and you're comfortable with how people react to you. You're comfortable Mm -hmm. with this way of life. And I think that's when it becomes like mentality, like your whole mindset is like now warped to this versus, um, you know, shit is happening, you feel bad, but now, okay, like, I'm not gonna just settle for this. Yeah, in a sense, like you're talking about the attention. That's that's a big thing too. Where um, when you do play, not even not well, they are choosing to play that victim role. But mm-hmm. um, when you encounter that, the attention that they receive after is addicting. So yeah. that's uh, that's it's dangerous. But mm-hmm. I had a question: like, is there such thing as being over overly accountable to yourself? Like, yeah. is there ever a point where you're like, this is too much accountability? And like, if that's a thing, what would it look like? me <laughs> it would look like me <laughs> i go to therapy for this um when i when i when i hear that i think um i take accountability for everything i take accountability for people who have hurt me and that's because um growing up i was taught that um you know like just in the household that i was raised in i was taught that if things are happening, I, it's almost like a reflection of my behavior, you know, or I have to fix it, or how can I make it better 
for my parents, you know, so I started to take on everybody else's um, accountability. So I project that now into my day to day life. So when people do things, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I totally understand where they're coming from. Like, damn, you know, oh, maybe like I need to be more understanding and patient with them. Like I was such an asshole. Mm. Meanwhile, y'all know yeah. me. I can't fucking be an asshole. Like I wish I could. Yeah. But mm. it's like that is that is to an extreme. I think anything to an extreme is not good. You know, you can't take accountability for other people's behaviors. Yeah. Know? And that's a huge one. Understanding is different than doing that. It's so tough because when you take that role of being like, okay, whatever you do, it's kind of on me. You're in a sense, um, I guess, giving a pass to everyone. And it's tough yeah. when it's tough when people don't have that same um, attitude towards you, too, because mm-hmm. um, I can't lie. There's times where I'm like, okay, you know what? They did this to me, but like I, I, sh- I got to take accountability for that. The onus was on me there, right? Yeah. So it, it's kind of draining in a sense when you're repeatedly doing that yeah. with X, Y, and Z person, and they, it, in a sense, it's kind of like being an empath, right? Like you're, you're showing an understanding, but it's tough when they don't have the understanding back to you. Hundred percent. I mean, Yo, so. you're literally. I feel like I'm in therapy, low key. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I'm like, wow, this is literally yeah. me. That's that, crazy. Yeah, that's, it's crazy. It's yeah. true. It is very draining, and I think that's where that's what I'm learning and I've been able to apply is boundaries, right? Boundaries for yourself. Understanding, like being understanding is a gift. Being empath, like an empath is a gift, but you can't let people use you. You know what I mean? Like that's not serving anyone. It's not serving you. It's not serving them. And people, trust me, will use and abuse you. Like my dad always says, um, butterflies are attracted to light, but so are moths. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a bar. it's like oh. they're constantly going to, they're going to see that light in you and they're going to keep taking, even though your source is huge. Like I know I have a huge source of light, but I will always attract people who will use it. And yeah. I don't ask for a lot back, you know, and I'm pretty sure in those situations you weren't even asking for them to take accountability. You did it so selflessly. Yeah. But um, the truth of the matter is more, more times than not people, they'll use that you know accountability is huge a lot of people like there's grown-ass men out here that aren't being (laughs) accountable you know what i mean like that's scary that's actually it's very scary scary out here still because i feel like the only thing one can do i think the growth only comes from accountability Mm -hmm. like you can only grow if you take accountability for you know your own actions and even sometimes you might have to take accountability for other people's actions especially if you're in a position where you work with multiple people and there's difficult conversations i think accountability is the first thing that leads to like growth you know because if if you look at something okay i shit the bed here i didn't get it done Mm -hmm. and you can't blame anybody Mm -hmm. you have to have that conversation with yourself and say oh shit okay Mm -hmm. Where did I go wrong along the way? Yeah. You know, where did I where did I mess up? Mm-hmm. You know, I think of uh, that victim mentality comes in part, like, with the accountability. It's like when you shit to bed or something like that, mm. who's the first person to blame? Yeah. Who's the first person you're looking to blame? That's true. You know, and, and oh, man, with, like, with, like, the, the, the social climate we're in, mm-hmm. there's a lot finger pointing there's a lot of oh, man. this is like this so i can't do this you yeah. know and yeah i mean the scales have always been lopsided oh always yeah, <laughs> you know I'm saying? yeah, yeah. the scales have it's always time. been lopsided yeah. it, it's it's up to you to you know win with the cards you're dealt i yeah. feel like you know you could f- either fight and try to even out the odds for everybody else and like you were saying like you you leave yourself out in the open in that process yeah. you, you kind of you're vulnerable neglect yourself yeah. Or you take the hand that you're 
dealt. Mm-hmm. And you try to, you know, win this f- fucked up game of poker with it. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. there's no other way to cut it. And, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, that's what I'd be telling myself every day. I should. I have two favorite phrases. Uh, shit, it is what it is. And yeah, I love saying that Charge to the game, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, 100%. You know, can't really, get, can't really get down. One. Can't get caught up in, in the mistakes that you've made sometimes. And um, yeah, that's that's big, man. That's mm-hmm. big. Stress management, man. I learned that right there. You yeah. get that, that, that window, can't be too low. Yo, you guys got to find the name low. of that prof, bro. Yeah, like you really do, bro. Like that's 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 some crazy. I feel like shit, everyone bro. should take that. I feel like it should be mandatory. Facts, yeah. Like a mandatory course. I have a question for you guys. Let's, you, any of you guys can answer this. Like, at he what loves questions. I love it, bro. <laughs> he well, let's hear it. At what point was like mental health apparent to you? Like, I know as kids in middle school, that wasn't something that was often talked about, or maybe it was. But at what point was it that serious? Like, it, when it started clicking, like, okay. I got to spend more attention to this. I got to pay more attention mm-hmm. to this because maybe my friends are going through it or some family's going through it. At what age would you say that was that was uh, that um, hit? I know exactly. That's why I started Call Me Crazy. Um, so I've experienced mental like I experienced mental health like struggles throughout like life. Um, but the time that I was like, damn, like this is like beyond just like being an emotional person, quote unquote, um, or sensitive person. It was when I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and I literally wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I had dropped out of school. You know, I, I, was, I was living on my own at the time, moved back home. I couldn't even sleep in my own room. Like, I was sleeping on the floor by my mom because I would just get panic attacks in the middle of the night. I was like, damn, all right, this shit's real. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not a yeah. joke now, you know? Yeah. And that's when it hit me. Like, I really had to hit rock bottom to be like, damn, like, it's not me just being sensitive. It's not me, you know, my dad was all about, like, you know, you should pray more, you know, or, you know, you're just being emotional. Like, I remember him trying to go through my phone and, like, getting locked out in the middle of the night because he was like, there's no way, like, you're acting like this for no reason, you know? And it's that no reason that's really problematic because it wasn't for no reason. It was literally, like, there was just chemicals in my brain that were just not functioning the way that, you know, quote-unquote, a normal person's brain was working. Um, And that's kind of when I had to face it, and then also my parents had to face it because for them, mental health wasn't a thing. It's like... So you have to drink your tea. Drink your... Tea cures everything. My grandma used to make me go. I don't know. I don't know if they they do this back home, but like every time I'd say something, she'd be like, "Go to the garden, get me this plant. I'll make you tea." (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it was. I started taking a lot more seriously probably maybe a year or two ago, and seeing the people around me dealing with it and stuff like that. So I don't know. Coming from like also when you're your parents are immigrants. Yeah. You know, they don't look at mental health like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if I'm, like, to tell my mom, like, yo, if I was to tell my mom, hey, mom, I'm depressed, she'd look at me like, what? Depressed about what? For what? Yeah. You know? So, you know what I have to do to bring you here? What are you depressed about? You know, that's the type of shit, that's the conversation. So, it's it's not a safe space. I think it's a very difficult space to talk about uh, mental health with with parents because it's not, you know, when you talk about Nazo's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. For them, you know, if that's 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 way way up there for them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah, it's tricky. And we were also like, you know, our parents came here, and it was like, okay, we need to figure out a way to get by and whatever. You know, yeah. we also are in the process of also figuring that out. Once we figure that out, it's like, okay, now it's like, it's more purposeful. It's like yeah. you're trying to figure out, you know, how to make an impact, how to like mm-hmm. leave a mark, how to, you know. 
make it count in yeah. a sense, not as opposed to just trying to survive. Yeah, have a roof over your head. And yeah. And don't get me wrong, there probably are still people that are, are figuring, it out. That, yeah. figuring it out. But I, I agree with you. I think that as the generations go on, the higher those those needs will get. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I think uh, it's just about uh, just growing through that process and like knowing that each level will have its challenges. And right mm-hmm. now, mental health is a big one. And maybe that mental health will be a bigger one going up more. So it's... Uh, it's tough, man. Yeah, I think uh, as a creator, I think money needs to be used as a tool as opposed to chasing, <laughs> chasing money. Yeah, you know, I was listening to to Joe Rogan. Like I, that, that's I listen to Joe Rogan, Joe Budden, the Joes, the great the Joes, Joes. <laughs> the Joes. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was saying like, there is a point where you're relieved from money. That you you realize you don't have to worry about bills and shit anymore, but after that, it doesn't really contribute anymore to your happiness. Happiness doesn't come from money. You got to be happy before you get the money. He said that sense of relief was good, but it didn't add anything else. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like, as creators, we need to understand that okay, there's a chance for us to make money from these platforms that we create. Yes. But that money has to be used as a tool to scale and, and build and, and go grow bigger, you know? And also, there's free money out here from the government. You know what I'm saying? That, like that most often doesn't go uh, claimed. There's yeah. It's actually grants. insane. It's crazy. There's yeah. dollars out here. Yeah. So it's like, yo, this money is a tool. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because if you imagine if your podcast now has a a $50,000 budget. Game changer. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yo, what's, what is, what, how do we, how do you access this money? And like our communities don't understand how to access this money. Like even with like the whole Trudeau promising this money to black businesses, which he still hasn't done yet. (laughs) But like, you know what I'm saying? But like, who knows, how do you access that money? Is there anybody that's telling you, okay, hey, you know, you should have a, 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 uh, corporation you should have your business structure your profit loss like your your, your balance sheets yeah. you need to have this shit in order a business plan this 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 who's who's talking about how how do we get access to this money and it's it, i'm glad you brought that up too because i had this conversation with a friend of mine where it's like um within our community we need more sponsorships rather than mentorships mm-hmm. uh it was kayla who said that kayla gray she's like um our community is often overly mentored and under sponsored by, by mentoring it means like um guidance it means meeting up with your with your mentee once a week talking about their problems and issues but mm-hmm. with sponsorships that's about you know um talking about them in different rooms getting their name involved mm. in different rooms sponsoring them financially or whatever it may be but i think that would make all the difference mm-hmm. because there's there's mentors everywhere let's be honest mm-hmm. you know True. mentors come in many shapes and sizes but yeah. to have a sponsor and a sponsor can even guide you through that process of, of claiming these grants because they're aware, they're 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 knowledgeable in that sense, mm. right? So I think that's something that's very very lacking, and I'm glad she brought that up. So yeah, I mean, we gotta like, in order to to receive like this money, money's just out there. You just have to find ways to get it's it. It's abundant. It's abundant, yeah. exactly. But in order to be in a position to receive that, you gotta set up your back end yeah. so that it's like. Okay, I got everything in line. Hey, here's my grant application. Here's my business plan. Here's this, this, and this. I need this fifty thousand dollar grant y'all got. Yeah, you know, like nobody, nobody talks about 
that everybody's talking about oh how to make money yeah yeah, yeah. you know and how to secure the obviously bag. money like securing the bag yeah yeah if, I, you are the bag yeah you People gotta realize that, yeah. You are the bag. Yeah. Big facts. Like, you have to secure yourself. 100%. You know what I'm saying? Every so way. it's like. That's a, that's a bar. That <laughs> gift, the gift of gab, baby. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I think we, we focus so much on yeah. money, and it's it makes sense in, like, this capitalist society. And, like, obviously, money is only everything if you don't have it, you know? Yeah. And if you make money an issue, it'll always be an issue. So to me, I don't know, like, I feel like immigrant mindset when it comes to money, I was, it was very generational, right? Like um, this whole idea of like, I came here to give you the best life, to make money, to have a certain type of lifestyle. Um, my dad always tells me like, you need to go to school so that you can make money so that you can have a certain type of lifestyle. But that lifestyle shouldn't necessarily only be dependent off of money and it's also your definition of success if you're trying to be the greatest at what you do then that is success to me or you're trying to be the richest it's like there's different types of success and what you're trying to what you put into those things will determine what avenue you will take but you know there's a lot of people that might you know start a podcast because yo that's where the money's going to be at i'm going to get the bag but it's like you're that source is not there Cause you're just, you're making money the issue. So it'll always be an issue. You're always going to have this scarcity type of mentality and there'll never be enough where like, if you're constantly just flowing with it, like it's so crazy. And this is me going into my spiritual sense, but like, yo, in a weird way, like money will flow always. It's constantly flowing in and out. Right. What you put out will always come in. And there's been times where I'm like, yo, like shit's getting kind of tight right now. And then I'll go home and I'll get like a check in the mail. I'll be like, Damn shit. Damn. All right. Okay, we good. Like you know, the universe really got you like that. So you can't be, you can't think that money is scarce because you're already telling the universe, like, all right, then I have a limit. When you're thinking in an abundant sense, you know you're gonna be okay no matter what. Like, of course, I understand that you need money to be secure. Like, of course, to that baseline. But I think after that, like you said, there is a stat though. I saw. Um. Uh, after a certain level of income, it has nothing to do with your happiness. It's like you can make the same amount as like millionaire. You guys are in the same type of level. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like I like how you mentioned how chasing money, um, it never ends. And when you're when your goal set or your pursuit is strictly on following money, it's it's kind of like chasing the wind because that that goal will never it yeah. never ends. Like money is there. It's unlimited, right? So It'll abundant. always come back to you, but. Um, I had a, a comparison I like to make when um, switching your focus to actually like creating and mm-hmm. producing good stuff as opposed to just chasing the money. It's like in basketball, as a player, as because you, you you know you're an athlete yourself. As a player, when you f- when your focus is like, okay, I gotta make this shot. It's like shit. If I don't mm. make this shot, you like, miss. Damn, like you, you miss. You tense as hell. But when your focus is alright, okay, I'm gonna I'm just let it fly. Slow. You know what I'm saying? Whatever happens, happens. That's when a lot of people, even myself, and I think a lot of other athletes can agree, that's when you play your best. I think that goes with any sport or any Anything. endeavor, right? When you have that mindset where it's like, okay, damn, like I need this bag right now. Yeah. Like, damn, I need to get this. It's like, it's, it's you're yeah. not going far like that. You know what I'm saying? So um, you can attribute that to just creating that, like that comf- comfortability, that comfort. You know what I'm saying? Because I think when you created, when you work out and you go to the gym and you put up all these shots, it's with the intention that if you ever get these shots mm-hmm. in the situation, you make them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that comes down to creating that comfort, creating that rip, that that those reps, so that you're comfortable in that sense. I think when you, 
I think in creating, you're trying to find your formula. You're trying to find that 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 where you're consistent, yeah. you're flowing. You have your formula, the groove. Yeah. Once yeah. you have that groove and you're consistent and you know what comes, what goes, how it goes, that's when the abundance starts pouring in. Because yeah. now you've been doing it so long that yeah. it's it's it comes it's second nature. And the groove is different for everyone too, as well. Yeah. There's no one size fits all solution. And I was uh, one of my old coaches put me on game where it's like. Um, your stress levels, people operate differently in different stress levels. And stress yeah. can be a good thing, stress can be a bad thing, but mm-hmm. there's a there's a level there, I forgot the name of it, where you want to be at. that where, mm-hmm. That's where you function the best at. And um, speaking to one of my coaches, he's like, yeah, you got to find that level. And you know, mm-hmm. when you play at that level, that's when you're at your best. It's not when you're too calm, or it's not when you're too tight or tense. It's like right in that middle. And yeah. there's, a word, there's a phrase for it, I forgot what it was called, but um, that's something that, I, that stuck with me to this day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... That's so spot on. Um, definitely, like, finding that sweet spot. And to me, it's flow. Like, there's, I think in psychology, there is a term. It's, like, flow or maybe spirituality. Because to me, they kind of intertwine. But once you hit that flow state and you kind of let go of trying to micromanage everything, you know, less cerebral, and you kind of just sit within yourself and allow things to flow naturally, you're hitting that source. And now that source is just flowing. And then it creates this mirror effect, right, of abundance within opportunities, money, people, conversations. Um, so within your mind, if you're already thinking, like, damn, am I going to make this shot? i got to make this shot. That means you're telling yourself, I may not make this shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what your subconscious is now doing is it's kind of, because we project what our subconscious is, mm. you know, Mm-mm-mm. to our real world. So... If you're thinking, I got to make this shot, that means you're already thinking in a um, negative in a negative or deficit type of mindset. So your reality is going to manifest that. If you're not even thinking in that sense and you're just thinking, yo, I'm just going to flow and go with what feels right, like it's going to mirror that. It's just going to flow right. Um, and I think really that's what I'm kind of on right now is just understanding the subconscious and really trying to figure out how I can tap into that more because I feel like we – want to control our reality but it, we can't do it from like a conscious level yeah you know and we kind of have to let go of that and that's a big part of like you know being successful making the shot creating everything like creativity is not always so like cerebral you know it's just this thing i feel like you probably guys can agree like when you're creating sometimes it's just that one off you just like we're just doing something and you're like damn like i don't know how i did this but i did and it just hits and you can't figure out that formula because it's not something that you can put your mind to. It's just something that just comes from you naturally. Some of the best ideas or inventions came by accident, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's crazy how that happens. But uh, I think when that happens, they're in that flow state. They're just saying, okay, mm-hmm. fuck it, let me try this. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens type of shit. So yeah. what's that What's that book called again, man? Power of Your Subconscious Mind? <laughs> came right to mind, bro, when you're talking about that. Game changer. Yeah. We're not right sponsored, but hey, um, just as a, a podcast that's here to, you know, people love sometimes that's definitely a good it's read that so i would good. recommend to anyone read so. that too yeah i have wow. it i love that book and i've um, yeah. there's a couple that i have um i think i'll get the names for you Dr. but joseph i forget his name joseph something i don't know is it the untethered soul i heard about that one i never read that, that. one's good I too that one. dr joseph i know what you're talking about i don't know the name of the title but there is other things you can do too. Like meditation is a big one, right? When it comes, like to me, I used to think meditation was bullshit. I'll be real with you. Like <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, I would, they'd be like, yo, we're going to meditate. I'm like, 
So you want me to sit here like and breathe? Like I really don't get it. But it is a practice, right? And it's to kind of let go of you trying to control everything. You know, it's literally what we're talking about to get to that 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 flow of things. Um, same thing with um, when it comes to free writing or letting things flow, all that stuff. Like I think these are all great practices that we can do. And if you want to get deeper, like Reiki or you know. Um, different types of like therapy tap into your subconscious mind so there's so many avenues and i think even just starting with a book is so so like key reading is so powerful and i severely Mm. severely underrated it as a kid growing up and i think uh Mm -hmm. just going to to college is when i really started picking up on it because they kind of force you to read some things right so um i think it's just so powerful just learning new things it's just because nowadays, all, everything is, like, tech-based, right? We have our phones in front of us. We have our iPads in front of us. But it's hard to replicate that reading experience on a book. I you love reading an actual book. You can judge a lot about a person if they choose that to read or not. Mm. I, if, I, yeah. if I'm meeting someone, I'm like, oh, you, what do you read recently? No, I don't read. Call me what you want, bro. I'm, I'm judging a little bit. I'm judging a little bit. It is what it is. I look at like it this, is what it is. Like, a lot. Reading is, like... You're not going to remember everything you read in oh, every nah, book. Definitely not. But if you can take, like, three things or even one, like, new idea yeah. from a book you read, bro, that'll, that one it's idea, w. like, and from each book, like, can really change the trajectory mm-hmm. of who you are and who you're becoming. Yeah. Just even one. Whether it's fiction, nonfiction, like, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Forget about reading for a sec. I wanted to ask you, because I feel like anytime we do talk about mental health, we talk about my guy Kanye West. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I think I think he's one of like. I love him. Yeah, I, like he's I one do. of the best, best, the greatest. He's a goat. Like, I love him. So he's a goat. Much. He's in my top five, but even undisputed music. Yeah, you he's know, a as a person, as a person, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think he's a genius. Like, um, I and you know what? It's sad to say, but most geniuses have a lot of mental health issues. You know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they feel like by taking medication, it suppresses that, like suppresses their creativity, like a lot of them. And I can see that, like I've been on meds and I can tell like it literally numbs parts of you. So I don't know it with him. Like, I think he's a genius. I think what we're seeing right now is just someone who's really sick and who's choosing to not take meds. It's the same thing with like, like when we see like a crackhead and we make fun of it, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, no, they're actually sick. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not, it's funny. Like, I will laugh, but it's like, when I think about it, it's like, nah, they just don't have access or they're choosing to not have access mm-hmm. to medication that will normalize them, whatever. It's kind of fucked up. The more and more I hear Kanye talk, the more and more I kind of, like, relate to him. Because yeah. I feel like he just has 30,000 ideas. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't have, like, a place to put all of them. Like, when you hear him talk about, like, you know turning to god and like he wants to run a, yeah. a country on religion it sounds crazy but it's like it it's sense. not it's actually not that crazy because like i think look at like how the country is run on capitalism and mm-hmm. and money and all this stuff so here comes this guy who like yeah i think i think being pro-life is silly and idiotic and i think it's yeah. very regressive but everything else that he says i think comes from a wholesome place i i don't Mm. think he has ill intent Mm -hmm. i just think you know the fact that he can wake up and say i want to run for president says something about the the limits that he sees which he obviously doesn't see any 
Mm. Don't see any. I know. I think, I don't know how to explain it. I visually can see this, so I'll try and describe it. But I almost feel like, you know how people will walk in through a room through the front door? I feel like Kanye is, like, doing it through, like, a window or something. So the way he explains things is so, like, different than how we see that mm-hmm. space. Yeah. So it's, like, for us to kind of see it, we kind of have to, like, reshift our mindset. And sometimes I'd be, like, the end goal is the same. Like it's the same room. But it's, like, he's seeing it from a different perspective. And then his delivery is just sometimes, like, because he has so much, I feel like, going through his head, his delivery is not always on point mm-hmm. with what he's saying. But the whole idea about religion, like, if you think about it, religion and, you know, all the holy books were very much tied to politics and, you know, how to run a country or run people, you know? It's it's very much how to create... Um, it's it's a book of laws, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Um, so that makes sense, like, if you think about what he's saying, but I think it's also his delivery. His delivery is yeah. terrible. He's terrible. a better PR. In a, in a, in a society mm-hmm. now where people can easily manipulate things, yeah. twist words, twist word, yeah. Articulation is everything, man. Yeah. Absolutely, it's it's everything. And if you don't have that, that's when you have that bad image painted of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke about this on a previous episode too. Like Kanye, his ideas are magnificent. Mm-hmm. You know, they're amazing. We were watching his pod, and I'm like, yo, that that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. And before mm-hmm. that, I was kind of judging Kanye. I'm like, yo, this guy's a bro. Sit, like, settle down. Yeah. Your lane type shit. You know, but I think because it's like. Social media is like bits and pieces. Yeah. You never get yeah. like... The full picture. When was the last time Kanye got to sit down for three hours and talk about shit? Because that's enough time to dissect ideas. Yeah. And and he gives enough time to like... The way he looks at shit, he reverse engineers everything. Mm-hmm. He dissects everything. So like when you give somebody the chance to explain the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. Not just say, oh, slavery is a choice and run off. Yeah. You know? Because obviously you look at that, you're like, oh, fuck. Okay, like, this guy's a waste, what the fuck man. is this guy talking about? Yeah. But... <laughs> If you give him like three hours is a long time. Context behind it, mm. yeah. it makes all the difference. You're like, damn, like he's not really, like, uh, yeah, he's bipolar, but he, the ideas aren't that crazy. Mm-hmm. Think about the best things that we've come across that, like, that have changed the world are the ones that are against the status quo or the things yep. that are way, way, way outside the I box. Yeah, literally was just saying that. Yeah. 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 True. And like when we, you know, when we go to university and we learn, like, even like, um, you can attest to this, like research papers, mm-hmm. you know. Universities are supposed to be like some of the most progressive thinking places, Bruh. <laughs> right? Bruh. But how many professors <laughs> or, or or scholars do you know come out and change the world? Like, there's such a huge flaw. I'm glad you brought that up, bro. Research papers are basically just regurgitating information from other research papers, mm-hmm. and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Very rarely will you come and find some new ideas and, and create your own. And in a sense, too, the, the school system, it, it kind of enables that. It reinforces, like, no, no, no don't think on your own. Yeah. Take someone else's idea because that's what's credible. That's what's peer-reviewed. Yeah. And slap it on your own thing. So it kind of dismisses our own original thought and places the importance on others. Yeah. So to generate some new growth, to generate new ideas, it's, uh, it's tough, mm-hmm. especially when a system like that, so... Yeah, so it's like, I don't know, man. The more I listen to Kanye speak, the more and more and more I'm like, yo, I, f- I, I feel yeah. you, bro. Yeah. Like, I feel I feel where you're coming <laughs> yeah. from. Fact, you have fact, all these bro. ideas, you want to implement them. Like, some shit sounds crazy to someone yeah. who doesn't see, like, someone who sees a box will look at Kanye and be like, this guy does not know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but someone who understands that everything out here is like an open canvas, they're going to be like, oh, well, He's just yeah. a guy that thinks he can do anything. I think it's um, 
it's definitely the, the mania and how he thinks. Because when you are manic, you have the sense of um, like you're untouchable. Anything can happen. Like you have almost got you almost have this godly complex. Mm -hmm. So that definitely plays into his personality. I think it's ironic how much his personality is very like manic, even without the bipolar disorder. But it's just like any great person, like what you said, um, I think you if at one point in your life people question you like, damn, like are you sure? Like that's kinda crazy. I feel like you're doing something right, you know? In some some cases. Like there's yeah, examples yeah, yeah, where yeah, yeah. that just came to mind. I'm like, that's not a good idea. But um even like we were talking, Muhammad Ali, you know, like he thought he told the world that he was the greatest before he became a champion, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But all these things or um you know, even Obama becoming president, you know, like these things had to start with someone thinking something outside of the box, you know, to be manifested and to happen. Um, and it's going to shock people. And a lot of people aren't going to think that you can do it because they're thinking within that comfort zone. You have to disrupt society's status quo. Disruptive. Man. I love yeah, that word. Love disruptive. That, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can be yeah. super disruptive through art. And mm -hmm. the thing is, like, when you're disrupted through art, people at first will be very, very resistant to mm -hmm. what you're trying to push out. You know, it may not be received well, mm -hmm. but then, you know, after it's gone, gone and like it's out there and you start building that, that consistency of, that consistency of disruptiveness, mm -hmm. people will be like, yo, oh, he's a genius. Yeah. You know, think about like Kanye came into rap, like producers that rapped was like, like people looking at this guy like, who do you think you are? Yeah. yeah. Like you're behind the boards. Bro, even when he started singing, people were like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And then freaking MJ gave him like a little close. Yeah. Like, yo, who, who is that? Yeah. Kanye's like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, oh, keep, keep doing, doing that. that. <laughs> keep doing that, you know? So, yeah, people, everyone's not going to receive what you're doing well, right? But it, it it takes a certain level of confidence and belief yeah. to continue and pursuing or continue pursuing through that uh that criticism. Mm -hmm. Do you know how fucking hyped this guy probably was when MJ told him to oh keep doing gosh, that? Oh my gosh, bro. Yo. The greatest artist of all time. That's crazy. That's probably why he's still doing it. Like, I would just always think of that. I think, like, just in general, like, um, I'm just thinking of, like, people who've been rebellious in life. You kind of have to be rebellious to create waves, you know? You don't want to go with the flow. You want to create that flow. So, like, I'm I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but Frida Kahlo, like, she was one of the greatest feminists of all time. Um, artists as well. Like, a lot of her politics was done through art and i'm just thinking of one of her rebellions was like when her when her man cheated on her she went and slept with the same woman that's you crazy. know and like to me that's some like that's some boss bitch shit. damn son like, where'd you, know you find mean? this statement you know <laughs> yeah crazy. you know like, hey. whoa <laughs> yeah so that's crazy stuff do like, that at, man? yeah like you know and that's bold that's a statement that's doing things that you know at the time, even at the time, a woman claiming her sexuality was one thing, but then at the same time, not being sad because her man cheated on her, she went and did the damn thing. Like, she was very much against that status quo. And then even just having facial hair and stuff, like, that goes against the status quo is very much, like, disrupting what society wanted from her. And that's why people have literally, like, coffee table books of her and, like, her arts were so much and, you know, all these things. It's not because she played it safe. I have a question. What comes on the plane? I'm nervous. <laughs> He's smiling. Is there a difference? I'm not. I'm probably not even going to articulate this well. It's okay. This well, but is there a difference between challenging the status quo because you want to make waves mm. and challenging the status quo because you want attention? Oh yeah, for sure. I think 
when these people are challenging the status quo, they're not thinking, oh, I want to challenge it because I want to make waves. They're just doing it because it's literally flowing from who they are. Yeah. Authentically versus like, I just want people to, I don't know. Like when I think challenging the status quo, I'm thinking of like, I don't know if, okay, you know what? I'm going to just say a damn thing. Yeah, let it like matter. Debbie, like calling herself like Somalian. Like you want attention. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's not... <laughs> Let me just sip my water, bro. That's crazy. Uh, I was not expecting that. Sorry. I don't know why my mind went there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's going against the green. Yeah, she really like. For the wrong reasons, though. (laughs) She's so. She'll be like, oh, I'm Molly. Hold on, hold on. Okay. On a serious note, when are we going to look at that and be like, this This girl needs help? Like, <laughs> yo, but like, she you, might have a mental people health. People are already issue. doing it, but you got to blame when people <laughs> are rewarding it at the same time. When it's sensationalized and people are still promoting it, like, who, where's the onus on, you know? It's so true. It's like chair girl. What are we doing here? Yo, she's out here. You know she's in saying? Miami. She's I don't know if y'all know that. Listen, she's living I'm her best life. Shit. Same thing with chromas, like you know what I mean. It's like yeah. we sensationalize, and I almost think they're smart. I think they know that you know what they're doing. They're doing, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean, and yes. I don't blame them. But it's like it, it has no real authenticity of like you're not doing it because this is who you are. You're not doing it with like a purpose to help or even just to speak on something. You're literally doing it to get on six buzz. Like, you know what and I mean? I, and I think it's very important to decipher those differences between starting waves and the mm-hmm. reason why people start waves. And um, Kanye definitely is, I'd say, doing it with the right intentions. Yeah, he doesn't give He's a fuck. often misunderstood, but the greatest geniuses of this world are often misunderstood. So, it's facts. Yeah. You have to put him up there with the goats. Different strokes for different folks, man. I think he's up there. He's in my top five. Top five rappers? Yeah. What about artists? Artists? Yeah. Like all time? Not top five That's artists of, of all yeah. time, but top five lyrical. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. yeah. just rappers yeah. though, not I just conscious. He's, I he's think he's an artist. Oh, like okay. He's a real artist. You know what I'm saying? Like front to back, because I think like albums need to be consumed mm-hmm. front to back. Yeah. I hate seeing. I hate. Hey, let me see your play. Like your your, your music, and I see yeah. like one two song, and I'm like, what, what 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 is this? You know what I also hate too when people critique. The day of the album's release, mm. I think it's that's the worst thing you can do. I bro. never Just listen right away. I always let people oh no. say what they want to say, and then I yeah. listen to it after. Twitter's notorious for that. I can't. I can't. Oh Twitter's hilarious. I, Twitter, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I take doses. <laughs> doses for Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, Twitter. I'm like, hi, I'm here. Okay, two weeks later, I'll be back. Yeah. Cause it's a lie, yo. Twitter is bumping, but it's, it's crazy. Too many extremes. Too many extremes, man. Too many it's hostile. Though. Too many uh, irrelevant opinions. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I don't need to hear that. No, I like uh, my my opinion. I could be irrelevant to somebody, but yeah. my opinion is an informed opinion. It's just really so. loud. It's like literally, you're seeing everyone's stream of consciousness. Yeah. Like no, like if you think about it, like I don't want that, but we're kind of consumed by like trying to think it's like having the superpower of hearing what everyone's thinking mm. like do yeah, i really yeah. want that i don't if you think about it no it's, it's like though. there's no such thing as a diary nowadays man the thing about journaling though and i have to maybe you guys can give me insight on this um i'm a big believer on like you give life to things right so even when i'm go- the reason i don't talk about and it's bad because i preach like talking about issues i don't like talking about what's bothering me or my anxieties because i don't want to give it life 
So when when I'm writing about my anxieties, I'm like, damn, am I giving it life? Yeah. And that's a big like thing because I'm always here advocating about journaling and you know talking about how you're feeling. But it's better than telling Twitter. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yo, Twitter has this weird thing where I'll go on Twitter and I'll be on Instagram like posting about positivity, mental health, you know, loving yourself. And I'll be on Twitter. I'll be like, yo, I feel like I'm just part of the sad girls club. Yeah. Like, I just want to talk about, like, my like feelings. It. Yeah. And it's the victimhood club. Yo. I think that, I think that's what it is. The victim, it's a victimhood club. I don't know man. what it victimhood is. Victimhood club. I like it's that. crazy. Well, I just crazy. did something there. I did? Yo. I can give myself the exposure. Victimhood Twitter. What's up, man? Leave me out of it. What's up? Yeah. Everybody has a problem with something. Everything. Like, you'll, you, you'll very that's rarely true. see people agreeing with each other. Or even just throwing positivity on that app. Yeah, yeah. I think doesn't. Yeah. At least I, at least from what I follow and the people that I see, that's that's just what it is. Yeah. It's like it's it's, it's two extremes. Like it's like you have Instagram and people faking the funk and living putting their this, best life. Their best yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And then you come oh, to Twitter yeah. and it's like, it's like sad girls club. Yeah. And, uh, victimhood yeah. and like I, I just Depressed. yeah. That's ex- that's actually it's that duality sex. is actually kind of sick because there's like no like it's no well, in middle between. ground. Yeah. Well, I guess your life, but. Your life is, yeah. <laughs> your life your life is but are we really bad. living that? You know what I mean? Yeah. If we're like so consumed of these two, that's a good. Yeah, no, I, just, I just, it's too. I don't know. I, I think th- that's why I think I, I, you see a lot of people like Twitter more nowadays. It's addicting. It's very addicting. These emotions, these extreme emotions. So I did this study, um, and I read up on it. Like extreme emotions, whether it be anger, whether it be sadness, whether it be love, lust. These are hormones being released to your brain, and they're addicting. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you get addicted to being sad. You get addicted to being angry. People will start fights or have anger issues sometimes because that rush, that adrenaline rush, is addicting to them, and they don't even know themselves. So I think. Being victim mentality is addicting, you know, like we yeah. said. I feel like social media just exposes people. I think what Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff has done, I think like if you feel sad all the time and you feel you need to tell Twitter or whatever it is, it's just amplified who you really are. You know, if you have an addictive personality and mm-hmm. you're addicted to social media, I feel like that has enabled these things and because like mm. most people not most people people usually we were talking about this the other time the other episode is like people are police on how to consume things and mm-hmm. use things and stuff like that so i feel like twitter is like or not twitter just just social media in general it's like if you have any shortcomings or insecurities or anything like that here's this this thing that's addictive and like, yeah. you know, like if I'm if I'm fat or if I'm ugly and I look and I I look on social media and I I get self conscious about this shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I like you should have never really been thinking like that in the first place. You, know, you should yeah. accept yourself for who you are. But because you're here comparing yourself to everybody mm-hmm. that you come across, it's like it just amplifies that. Yeah. You know, I think another toxic thing that happens with that is because misery loves company. Oof. Twitter is a community. Like I said before, it's a victimhood mentality. Yeah. And so when you see people that relate to you or, or are going through the the similar, you know, scenarios that you're going through, it's like, okay, this is this is cool. So, you know, I'm not the only one that, that's going through this. Yeah, validated. It, you feel validated now, and then it becomes a, a normal thing. But like mm-hmm. you were just talking about the other, like just earlier in this podcast, it's like that's such a, a toxic mentality to be yeah. in, and it becomes addicting. So mm-hmm. I think in a sense, Twitter reinforces that mentality. It's like, damn. Like, Isn't looking for validation just 
detrimental in general? There's, yeah, I don't think there's ever a good time. I think the only time, like validation to an extent is good when you're feeling alone or isolated or literally feel like you're crazy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, validation in the sense of, because we all want to feel like we belong. We don't want to feel like, you know, we're weird, like even though we all are. And we want to feel like we're part of a community. So I think everyone longs that. Like, that's why people join gangs. You know what I mean? They want to feel like they have a community that they can identify to, sense, yeah. you know? Um, but, yeah, that whole, I think it just depends. Everything to an extreme. Um, there's something else I was going to say I don't remember. But, yeah, it's very much um, just not getting into that toxic relationship. Like, they're all toxic relationships if you think about it at the end of the day. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that's a bar right there. Yeah. Toxicity is uh is addicting. Yeah. Very addicting. It is. I'd be making jokes about my toxic. It's funny because we yeah. all make to like jokes now about our toxic traits. Yeah. But it's not funny because like we're all identifying it, but well, like we all are. We're what, still doing it. What kind of alleviates that? What yeah. what's what's everybody's toxic trait? Let's, uh, let's start yeah. over here. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a real question, right? Or should we yeah. say uh, what each other's lady, are? Ladies first. Shorty's oh. not dead. Ladies first, man. What? What's your toxic trait? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we can go around um, the room here bro. Shit, man. I can say mine I don't care I've mm -hmm. based mine um, I have two I am super shit at responding to people Like That's my most light skin trait That's not toxic Like That's okay. not that toxic I don't think that's toxic That's yeah. not toxic We gotta normalize like Like being busy, just being no, no, yeah, that too. <laughs> like, but like, yeah. we're in a, we're in a society where it's like, if you have free time, people automatically expect that to be their time. That's just because true. you're by your phone or you're relaxing doesn't mean that you're on that person's dime. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're like, not entitled to my message. Yeah. Oh no, nah, bro! And it's like that's, that that's entitlement. Exactly. But the thing I is, like, busy for four days. I don't, <laughs> I don't even like, read it. Like last week, I hit two hundred unread texts. Oh man, you're one of those. That's oh, a little toxic. Cause I don't even read it. No, you're just yeah, light skin. Yeah, that's just probably right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but then my other toxic trait is funny. Like I make fun of it, but it's not. Um, I'm attracted to like what I'm attracted to. I know why I'm attracted to it now, and it's very toxic because I still am attracted to it. So I'm trying to unlearn that. But I'm attracted to hyper masculine, unemotionally available men, <laughs> and I know that. But yeah. it's fucking toxic because I still yeah. be doing like I'm still like, damn, you don't want to talk about your feelings. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, that's my toxic trait because sometimes I'll know that and I'll still entertain it. But because now I've like learned hopefully my lesson, um, I'm able to identify that a lot quicker. I think that's my toxic trait. It's emotionally unavailable. <laughs> you like emotionally unavailable women? Or like you yourself, no, or like me myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just feel like I don't know. Yeah. I feel like my problems are just my problems. Yeah. I keep them to myself. Yeah. I feel like I got to deal with them at the end of the day. Um. I just I don't know. My whole life has been like that. You yeah. know, maybe and it's probably super toxic, but I just feel like if it's to be, it's up to me. Yeah. I don't really. I don't know. Yeah. No, I I kind of relate to that too. I'm gonna sound like a broken record, but that's one of mine for sure. Like I don't feel like everyone needs to know every freaking mm. inch about me like there's certain there's certain things that i want to just keep to myself yeah. and i'm also you know? pretty passive aggressive too yeah like not i just there's a reaction because yeah, not everything deserves a reaction yeah. and i think some people it frustrates aggressive i think it That's frustrates petty. people is it i'm a little petty too though it's okay <laughs> i'm just i don't know i like i think reacting i feel like if we react to certain things we might 
give off the wrong reaction. Yeah. You know? Sometimes not reacting is even more powerful than you. Yeah. It hurts I, more. It hurts. I mean, but like, I don't know, because, you know, my pops is a really passive aggressive guy actually he's become a lot more that's my dad aggressive that's now <laughs> but like i think that's where we get isn't that crazy how you become like men become like their fathers and we women are attracted to what our fathers teach us masculinity is mm-hmm. like that's where it's rooted for me like my idea of a man is hyper masculine doesn't show emotions you know um, is that really toxic though like is it like really <laughs> yeah. toxic yeah it is an over glamification of toxicity like i think it's over over said like is everything is toxic everything because because toxic okay we gotta we gotta let's let's reverse engineer this is unpack it yeah yeah. Yeah. where does this this concept of toxicity come from like what does it mean no like where where was it originated like where does this discussion of toxicity it didn't originate on twitter it's there's an actual origin for it well i'd probably say i'm pretty sure it's like it's something that's just used in terms of like describing a trait that's not healthy you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's toxic like something that's not good for you is toxic for Mm -hmm. you yeah so i don't know where it's originated from but that's kind of where i get it um or understand it but yeah it's definitely part of meme culture now and it is part of meme culture but like i look at it like you go to another part of the world what we say is hyper masculinity is Mm -hmm. part of the culture yeah you know what i'm saying that's how the place so you're saying operating. toxicity is subjective? I think toxicity may have come from, you know, when we, t- we take it back to, like, universities and scholarly articles, and that environment is always about dissecting mm-hmm. and dismantling and abolishing. And, and mm-hmm. although it's a very progressive thinking place, mm-hmm. it's always about, you know, dismantling, di- dissecting, and, and, and trying to, break down whatever is the status quo yeah something sometimes like i'm sure if you go to another country what we say is hyper masculinity and it's toxic is the norm over there so are we going to sit there and say this culture is toxic i think that's kind of it's kind of wrong to do that in a sense you know what i'm saying how can we look at another country and the way they live and Mm -hmm. what their idea ideologies might be and what's worked for them for x amount of years and say oh no, no 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 for for a scholar to come and say this shouldn't be like this, you know what I'm saying? Not to say that scholar scholar scholarly work is yeah, very yeah. important, yeah. but like dissecting and dismantling and stuff didn't originate on Twitter. It originated in these you know these institutions. Yeah, but yeah. I also think like culture very much um, was created, or societies were very much founded by men. You know what I mean? So it's like now you're not even looking at a woman's opinion of that culture. Because more times than not, they're being told that, like, um, you know, that this is normal, so you just have to live like this. But is it healthy for them? Like, I don't think living in, a, like, personally, I, so I'm half African, North African, um, and a lot of the the belief systems that they have towards women, like, I don't agree with. It's backwards. It's, it's very backwards. It's super backwards. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I could say it's toxic, but, you know, my grandmother will say, no, like, that's what a woman's supposed to do. Um, and we've literally had arguments about it. But my thing is, like, I get, like, who am I to say that it's toxic? But I'm also seeing, like, how men are treating you. Mm-hmm. And to me, innately, something in me is telling me it's not right. So is it that we have to go with, like, our innate, like, what it's, fe- like, our moral compass for, like, what is right and wrong? Yeah, yeah. Um, or is it, I don't know, like, that's a good point, though, because there's so, m- like, there's 
countries where like you know i'm trying to think of something like you're allowed to have multiple wives like is that right or wrong you know yeah. what i mean like if the wives are okay with it is that right or wrong it, it's such a moral it's it's dilemma. tough because i was going to make the argument that toxicity is anything that's not sustainable but because mm. you brought up the example of certain countries having those traditions for a long time it clearly is sustainable so i can't 100%. say that so how like how do you define toxicity <laughs> Yeah, what is the def like? What how do you define that? Is it something that's detrimental to your mental health, your yeah. physical well being? Because people love throwing that word around. Oh, you didn't respond to my text or toxic. Yeah. It's a buzzword. It's a very. It's yeah. definitely it is. buzzword. Toxicity yeah. is a buzzword. Yeah. I think it's something that's okay. So the way I would think, look at it, is something that doesn't serve you. It actually harms you. So, um, for instance, like having a relationship with someone who's not healthy for you—that's toxic. But it's toxic in the sense of. Yeah, because you know it's not healthy for you. It's like having McDonald's every day. You know it's not good for you, but you're still doing it. That's toxic. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because yeah. you're aware of it now, and you're still choosing to do it. I think mm -hmm. that is maybe the added layer is you're still choosing to be in this behavior. Um, I don't know. So I think even in terms of like, I'm trying to think like. Would you say anything that's addicting is toxic? Yeah, because anything that's addicting is not healthy. You shouldn't be addicted to anything. You should have attachments to anything. So can we throw that? We can throw that label on then on toxicity. Oh Addicting? yeah, addiction, yeah. an addiction. Yeah, <sighs> it's not healthy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's uh, a like, there's no such no thing. You can't have a healthy addiction. That's an oxymoron. No, because anything to an extreme is not yeah. good for you. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, same thing with like you know being emotionally unavailable. Um, when I say emotionally unavailable is you don't even know how you feel, let alone, like, want to share it with people. A lot of men are disconnected from their emotions. Mm -hmm. It's tough. I don't know, man. It's, it's hard to yeah. pinpoint, you know, because some people will sit there and say being emotionally unavailable is toxic. Yeah, yeah. Is it, though? Because some people might use that to cope. And, you know, I, I was saying this on uh, uh, the episode with Darian. is like I get in phases where emotionally I'm not there i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not consciously aware of how i feel or if mm -hmm. i've eaten or stuff like that but i end up being super productive because yeah. i'm emotionally tapped out and yeah. i think that when we were talking about that zone you get into yeah. yeah yeah i think that's that zone is that when you get to the point where you don't think about anything and you just go yeah yeah you know it might last in a basketball game maybe it lasts a quarter mm -hmm. but i think when it comes to work and stuff like that it can last months you know, so like, and then it's like, is that toxic? Is that harmful? Is it addicting? Like, I don't even know how to get to that point consistently. It's tough to diagnose. You know, it's, it's tough to, yeah. yeah. Like, if the results are showing. <laughs> yeah. And so, to me, that wouldn't necessarily be toxic because it's not, like, I get in that zone, too, where I'll, like, detach. Like, I'll dissociate from, like, m what's going on, and I'm able to just tunnel vision and do work. Um and is that harming you? I don't think that's harming you. But if you're doing it and now you're not, you know, you're ruining your relationships, you're not showing up to work, you're not even able to, un like, you're coping in other ways. Like, for instance, this is what I think of unemotionally available. It's like, okay, internally you're feeling something, but instead you're going to go gambling mm -hmm. to deal with that emotion. 
because you're not tapped in emotionally and mm-hmm. you don't know why you're doing that or just escape you know s- finding ways to escape instead of dealing with what's really happening if you feel like dealing with things by yourself is what works for you then okay that's healthy for you i think emotional unavailability maybe it's our definition is you aren't even pinpointing that there's an issue mm. with you you're blaming everything exterior and you're doing things to cope so i think that might be where it is it's weird you know it's it's weird cuz like with like Nobody can doctor you better than you can. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You go to a doctor, that you have to tell them yeah. what's wrong with you. You know yourself best. Yeah. You know, it's like they can't sit there and say, like if you say, if they ask you how much pain you're feeling, and you say eight, that's like so that's so subjective. So subjective. Yeah. You know, they can't say no. Nah, you're more like a t- two. <laughs> I'm getting really three vibes. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so, you know, so it's like is everything is like. Everything is so. It ends up you have to describe it to that person. Yeah. They have. They say, yeah, they're diagnosing you, and there might be really be stuff something wrong with you. But at the end of the day, it's like I gotta come in here and explain to you what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So that's why being a doctor is like any sort of doctor, a therapist. And the thing is, is, not everyone is so good at articulating their problems and issues too. So as a doctor, you gotta be able to reason and understand people differently Mm -hmm. you know and maybe sometimes people won't come out with their whole truth and part of that that diagnosis is is thinking okay you know is he telling me everything yeah like i'm sure as a therapist if you're if you're listening to someone and they're kind of maybe holding back a bit you gotta your job is to kind of dig deeper yeah figure out what's what's bothering them figure out those issues and like just to piggyback off what you're saying that's that's a talent in itself and i think that uh it's important it's important for sure yeah I think um, the best type of therapy I've gotten, because someone, I always go to, th- I've seen multiple therapists, and they'll always be like, oh, they're so self-aware. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, I know what's going on. It's just like, yeah. you know, I know myself better than anyone, you know, and I took time to really know myself. But now it's about showing you how I think and you giving me a different perspective, because I'm so used to thinking this way. And I think that's where um, therapy is beneficial because now I'm telling you how I think and I'm showing you like this is my train of thought and they're giving you that completely outside perspective. And that might be where it's beneficial. But I do get the whole idea of like trying to tell someone something and they can't, they'll never know because they're not in your body. They're not thinking the way, they've never had the same experiences as you. Um, if you leave out parts, you know, it's all these gaps. And I think a good therapist is able to pick up on that also pick up on what you're not saying, you know, and just your tendencies. And I remember one time um, I was talking about something and then even my body language shifted and I didn't say much. And then the therapist was like, I just noticed that you did that. Like, are you okay? And I was like, wow. yeah, like, you know, like, I, I guess I'm not like, I'm very defensive about that topic. It's yeah. a good therapist. Yeah. Um, I love him. Before we wrap this episode up, um, do you have any, any strategies, tips or advice to people that may be going through some, some mental struggles? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely during a time like right now, COVID is, amped up seasonal depression is amped up and regular depression is amped up that's a that's a triple whammy right there you know what i'm saying it's crazy so i mean (laughs) holy trinity that's crazy i'm not even gonna what the death i was just scared yeah like what what type of what type of advice would you give someone going through that um damn honestly i would say first and foremost make sure you're your priority um with everything going on it's easy to kind of like want to escape um because there's just so much happening. So we kind of get addicted to that. But just turning inwards, you know, whether it be logging off, um, not watching the news as much, 
and just really trying to figure out like how are you feeling like asking yourself like how am I feeling so you can identify that first and then you know creating a healthy routine having something because our whole norm is disrupted so now you have to create a new norm so whether it be you know just taking five minutes in the morning to like journal or meditate it doesn't even have to be that like I feel like when it comes to mental health it's very like cliche to say journal meditate like meditating to me is like taking a shower you know like that to me is meditation you know I'm literally visualizing like okay like I'm getting rid of all these thoughts I'm literally tuning in thinking about how the water feels everything so it can look and feel the way you need it to um I think that's important so establishing a healthy routine you know getting sleep sleep is super underrated um with seasonal depression I highly recommend um taking vitamin d supplements um there's also um, vitamin D lamps you can get off Amazon. I actually just sent it to my friend. There's a coupon right now. Um, okay, Amazon needs to sponsor me, but um, <laughs> there's a coupon right now, and I'm pretty sure it's like $10 off, so it's like $30, $35 um, for that sun lamp. And if you use it regularly for 15 minutes, it's supposed to show tremendous um, aid with seasonal depression and having a support system, you know, if can be very isolating, especially if you are quarantined. Um, but like reaching out to people, being social in different ways and not relying only on social media as your only form of socialization. I think that can feel very empty after a while. Um, so really doing that and, you know, reading a book, like doing things to better yourself because you'll never feel like that was a waste. Um, I think that's always important because there'll always be substance to it. You'll always, you'll never be mad. It's like going to the gym. You'll never be mad that you went to the gym. You know, it's like reading a book. You'll never be mad that you read a book. So I feel like really doing things for yourself, no matter what, you'll always feel good. Um, Small things doesn't, small joy, small things will always add up. Call me crazy. Heard it here first. Let them know they can find your podcast. Yes. Um, so Call Me Crazy um, is found on basically every streaming platform. The Instagram handle is Call Me Crazy Pod. My Insta is Be For Real. And yeah. Uh, so it's been a pleasure, though, honestly. Thank you. Thanks for long overdue. <laughs> I know. Long overdue. Like, like, like a year and a half long overdue. Yeah. <laughs> it was so crazy. Yeah, we here. So. Yeah, we are here. We're, this is crazy, guys. Like we, I just remember when Gifted Gab was like, I remember texting you about starting a podcast. That's yeah. crazy. I know where That's I was crazy. too. And then now look at us. Look at us. I'm so, so proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> so <Yeah>. wholesome. <laughs> I'm so proud of the people that come on, bro. That's crazy. All right, man. On that note, yo, just like that.